recording. Hello, welcome to the Cybersecurity Insider. My name is Ikal Behar. Today we have our uh, our guest, super guest, Seth. What's up? How you doing, man? I'm super duper uber guest. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's been going on like now uh, for months now that you have a super <laughs> guest. Uh, do you want to be upgraded to something else or don't get to something else? I'm waiting for my little badge that says super guest. <laughs> ah, okay. So I'll create a badge and send it to you. I mean, you have a badge already here. So you send me a little fine. sticker. Give me a sticker that says I'm a super guest. Yeah, super guest. <laughs> All right. So let's get started with a... Uh, we have, I think, like 30 minutes or something. I will cover a few things. Uh, can you guess what we're going to talk next? What will be uh, the first item? Kasaya? <laughs> Woo! Wow, wow, wow. Yes. Get a prize? <laughs> yeah. Are you surprised we're going to talk about this? No, actually not. Okay. So here, this is what... Okay. So here's a, a short update for people who are living under uh, Iraq, like me, because I don't watch news, but, you know, sometimes. So on Friday, July 2nd, ransomware operators exploited a, a vulnerability in Kaseya's update mechanism to push reveal ransomware out to the IT services company's customers. Uh, Kaseya developed software for managed service provider MSPs, which means the attacker's reach uh, could extend to hundreds, if not thousands of organizations. Uh, and apparently some supermarket chain in Sweden, the Coop, had to shut down its stores because those uh, machines were managed by uh, Kaseya VSA. The attackers appear to be demanding a ransom. Now it says 70 millions. I see different numbers like 70 million dollars now in Bitcoin. Uh, and they said, I saw that they said that they infected more than a million devices were infected. And if the company, Kaseya, will pay the ransom, they will provide the universal decrypto to all uh, um, affected systems owners to decrypt the data. So, what's your take? Um, I, I still know that there's not a lot of details on how. I know that there was a vulnerability that was supposed to be patched, and but I'm still trying to figure out all the details on this. But either way. That best. Either way, this is on to Kasaya because that vote, that update went out to their clients. So if you're just, you didn't do anything wrong other than just get updates from your vendor. So if Microsoft sends me a hacked, you know, patch, whose fault is that? We're always telling people to patch, right? So this is like, so you, we, we, they go and patch, and now they get screwed. Not only that, they don't even have the capability update. We've been updated automatically. You can do a setting in the Kaseya system at VSA server and to push updates automatically. So once you have an update 
automatically it's going to be pushed to your agents. So apparently what they can say, I said, this is affecting only the uh, customers that has VSA server on site on-prem. It's only affecting them. However, they decided to shut down also the SaaS, the software as a service mechanism. So all customers that they have already VSA agent that it's managed on the cloud are also been affected by it and they took it out of uh, precautions. This is the, what, what they say. In addition, I read some, some documents and some research paper and all claim it was a zero day vulnerability on right. Kaseya server. I don't know about the patch that was supposed to uh, push. It sounds again like a zero day that they found and they used that in order to deploy uh, the reveal ransomware using the agent and what they did, that they, they were able also to get on the uh, VSA instance server on the cloud managed by Kaseya. And they were looking to see what would be the best way for them to infect more, much more machines, many more machines, like the impact would be so great. And they found that the, the MSPs that would be the best way to go. Therefore, they infected the MSPs knowing that those MSPs will have, you know, it's going to be, have more magnitude uh, in terms of uh, in, infecting more systems. So, I mean, what can we do? And I know we'll be talking about uh, RMM tools. It's called RMM, people that don't know, remote management uh, a tool that helps to manage devices. Um, Knowing that this tool is, although it's great for the MSP, however, for customer perspective and security perspective, more security than anything else, you have now another one agent that can do anything and you can control them. As you mentioned a, few, a minute ago, Microsoft can push a patch and we're going to talk about Microsoft as well, as you know. Uh, uh, and they can have also vulnerable vulnerable updates. Then what? And this is crazy because what they what these attackers did it's amazing. They use an outdated uh, a Microsoft a, a, their endpoint protection, and they use its certificate in order to hide their uh, a presence. Not only that, of course, it disabled uh, Microsoft Defender. I'm sorry, it's called Microsoft Defender. They dis dis so in the beginning, they disabled the, the Defender, the Microsoft Defender. Then they start the spreading, they use a certificate, they copy themselves, they change the name, and they use the fact that Kaseya recommending not to scan the installation folder in order for, uh, for the product to function properly. And this is a big problem. So it's better to break the solution, this, the, this in this case, than having a ransomware. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> well, see, the thing is, is, and now this is where I'm still trying to understand. Was it like uh, Solar Winds when they broke into the deployment server for the patches, or did they find a hole, break in, and then, you know? piggyback along whatever being deployed or, you know, I mean, I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Did they backdoor into the client sites 
or did no, they they, use the distribution, they, the patch distribution, no, like they, they went did to with SolarWinds? Yeah, they use the distribution. SolarWinds, they use the distribution. Also here, they use the distribution in order to push right, the so ransomware. But my point is, is I know when we, I worked years ago with an application company and we used to, they used to, they had a, uh, the Visual Studio suites and we used to, they used to have to import, like you you would update the the software and in a repository. So you would you would you would input it, and then anything that was updated would be automatically updated to the software. Now, if it didn't, if if you would be able to, in a sense, follow that whole chain on a particular, let's say there was somebody who's working on a small DLL for the software, that would be attached to something there already. So all of the stuff that was being logged in, logged out, that was being worked on. And, and all that, they, those things are, are in the in the folder. So the same thing with patches, when they patch somebody, it's in a repository. So if it doesn't come from a repository that they've approved and said, yes, we've tested it, we've done these things, how is it now in being left into this folder or wherever it's being stored at without ever going through A to Z of the repository of the patching part? Yeah, you need to have a process where you seal a package and then you send it for distribution oh, and first that's what it is and then it goes through yes. the process before it gets there so my thing is is right. there is a a file that showed up in this in this distribution point it, it, it even if it has a fake certificate it didn't go through the other processes so it doesn't have that signature on top of the signature on top of the certificate uh, it might be what they did, and this is again from just what we are reading and hearing uh, in from different sources that they changed the certificate and renamed the files were done on the on the the target machine, the infected machine. We don't know what happened on the Kaseya systems on the Kaseya VSA instance. And it might be that they were able just to take control of the process and and rename or use an existing file names and replace those existing file names with their own files. So let's say you have agent.exe. Uh, so then you're going to bring the same file with the same name. If the process didn't verify that you have a problem with the signature, then you have a big problem there. Right, because I know a lot of them use MD5 hashes or multiple different types of hashes. Yeah, when they're looking show, at their, show, show one. Yes, SSA right, one. So they, right, so they have different types of signatures on these things as it goes through the process, through this right. repository. And then once it gets to the end, then they, they package it up, seal it. Then it goes through testing. Right. And if that thing doesn't have the right signature, it doesn't go out. So that's why I'm saying somewhere in this process – there's a problem because nothing is checking. Not yeah, I, I think, yes, I think that they, those actors use the fact that everybody went for a, a 4th of July vacation and they knew that nobody would, uh, you know, they did it July, as of July 2nd. Mm -hmm. They did, they recompile and prepare all the, all the files on July 1st is based, based on the, the dates of uh, uh, the compilation date. Uh, 
and then July 2nd, they started with the, with the penetration, and I believe that they used this specifically at that time because they knew that people are going for vacation, long vacation, and the ability to respond to this kind of events will be, uh, is be, will be very slow, very slow if, if impossible at all. So, so do we know when they were able to get into the system to compromise it? July 2nd, as of now. That's, uh, that's it. Okay. So they yes. only went there a few days. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it took them, what, a day or two to infect the, I mean, based on what the attacker says, a, a, a million devices. Who knows? I mean, Kesea says that they, uh, this attack effect, affected 800 to 1,500 customers. So I'm assuming eight, 850, 1,500 MSP customers. So what would be the footprint, let's say, for an average MSP? Well, what, what would be that number? 100, so, 100, 200, so yeah. Okay. So we have about, uh, what, a million, million and a half maybe devices. So, okay. Uh, so yeah, so like they, there needs to be more explanation on that process and what happened there, because just like Solar Winds, you're pushing stuff out that comes from the repository that doesn't have the right signature, because even when you're compiling it, it check, it's supposed to check every signature of every file, and if if they updated the exe, that signature is not going to match the old one. I was there yesterday. Right, right. So I, I think the, the the timing was it was crucial for 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 this attack to be successful. That that's what I um, I believe that is right. that that's why they did it this time. So we'll see. Um, we'll see because I think that's yeah that's crazy, man. That's very crazy. Yes. Okay, we. Gonna switch now to another single day, which is Microsoft Principaler, the, how they call it, print nightmare affects all versions of Windows. Hi. So apparently, what happened? It's a research group found this uh, vulnerability. They posted the uh, POC proof of concept code, and hackers grabbed that and used it right away. And they found that they were, they were estimating that they provided all the information to Microsoft. So they had a patch and I don't know, they said they had the patch, Microsoft said they have a patch. I don't know, they, they keep referring to a patch that they have, but apparently that patch doesn't do anything. And then the only walk around that they have so far is just to disable the spooler service, which means you won't be able to print from your computer. What do you yeah. say? Um, yeah. The principle has always been a major issue going back to Windows NT 4.0. So it's not, it doesn't surprise me that the principaler, um, an exploit was found with that. It's, you know, if you if the network is open, or if they can get to the machine, that that's a that's something that just like SMB, it's always going to be exploited if necessary. Uh, yes. Um, 
I mean, what, what else can we do? Uh, if you need to disable, disable the print spooler that don't print. I mean, who prints these days? I print. I print. Um, we have print. We don't use it often, but we do print. Yes. Uh, I mean, also another point to make that you need to have, and uh, that's what I'm reading, that you need to have valid credentials in order to exploit it. So uh, I don't know if to say it's really uh, it's so bad. Uh, still, you need to authenticate in order to use that. Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, I think more time is needed uh, again to research uh, this. This yeah, this is, uh, uh, case. since it permits the attacker to run arbitrary code with system privileges. Uh, then it says must involve an authenticated user calling. RPC add printed driver X. Right. Okay. Um, and with that, we're going to switch to the next subject, which is cyber insurance. Uh, we had yeah, some recent. Yes, I know. Uh, apparently, cyber insurance does not appear to be improving cybersecurity. Are you surprised about it? Um, I'm yes and no. I'm I'm a little surprised because I thought usually the insurance companies mandate a set level, like a set standard, and then what what's been going on is everybody every company has been allowed to set their own standard. There's no no direction from the insurance industry as a whole. Like if I get car insurance. There's a standard across the board. Every insurance company follows generally the same standard. You know what I mean? With this, it's... And so, because of that, the minimum standard has changed Where with cybersecurity. If you're below a certain number on your policy, they don't really do much vetting. You can sub submit a bunch of paperwork, but they don't really validate anything. Okay. So yeah, you would you would assume that the the insurance the insurers will ask um, a, the customers, okay, the policyholders, and hold them for for certain standards, as as you said, and then that probably will help to increase the this right get and, get, and, and, get a better cybersecurity posture, but they. It's all about, and you know, uh, I mean, they're going to ask them to have policies and procedures, piece of papers, and call it the day. Do they really have all those security controls that are shown on the paperwork? I don't believe so. Therefore, it's not going to be successful. But uh, let, let me read you a little bit. So apparently, it was a research done by Royal, Royal United Services Institute in, in Britain, and they said explorers where the cyber insurance can incentivize better cybersecurity practices among policyholders and finds that the shortcomings of a cyber insurance mean that its contribution to improving cybersecurity practices is more limited than policymakers and businesses might hope. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess again, it's uh, like a red tape, like yeah, with anything else. Like, yeah, you get. It depends on the insurance company. If they fly by night, you have low standards. If they're a good, reputable one, you'll have good standards. So, I guess that's what it ultimately comes down to. 
shop around. Look, if you're in a, if somebody who wants insurance, don't just look at price. Make sure they 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 follow a standard, whether it's you know the ISO standard or they're following NIST, whatever standard is their minimum. You want to make sure that it exceeds the basic crap that's out there. I know we were just talking about that earlier. It's all about set, finding a standard that helps you, you know, it, it, it balances your efficiency with security, at least at the minimum. Yeah, but I think this is not the issue. And public policy holders will look for uh, a, an insurance that w would ask them the least. And... Um, and they won't, re won't require them to do that much in order to get the cyber insurance. But then when, when uh, bad things happen, then they're going to pay for it because they didn't do their due diligence protecting the data. That, that's, that's my. So the, eventually the policyholder will be held accountable, but they would suffer the, the most uh, from, from a cyber attack. Well, and then the other thing is, is like, you know, I have Geico insurance. A lot of people say, oh, get the general, get this. The problem with a lot of these other insurance companies are is with the, when you start looking through the policy, certain things that you would think would be a higher number, you know, like uh, with car insurance, if you have accident and injury for a person, it could be 50000 or 100 Some of them don't even have it. You know what I mean? Right, right, yes. So they don't have that part of the policy. This is how they make it cheaper. So they get rid of certain things that you're not covered for or it's minimized. And then so back to what I was saying earlier, if you go to a more reputable one, you're going to get someone that may require standards. But at least, you know, you're more likely going to be covered and it's more likely going to, you know, you're going to be in a better situation than, you know, dealing with one of these other companies, people I know have dealt with some of these companies, they get into accidents or things happen and they got to go through hell versus you call Geico up and you're done, you know? And they, they do what they got to do. Hi. All right. Get what you pay for. But at least get the cyber insurance. At least they will, they will pay for the forensic investigations and yeah. whatever. So it's better just to get something. Okay, and with that, we're going to move to Microsoft again. So Microsoft investigating malware signing incident. Microsoft is investigating an incident in which its Windows hardware compatibility program certified will turn out to be a malicious driver. The driver known as NetFilter has been used in gaming environments. It has the capacity to decrypt internet traffic and send it to another machine. Microsoft has suspended the account through which the driver was submitted. That's a that's a hot market getting after a bunch of people with gaming. That's a that's a big market. Yeah, but this is also means that maybe their driver now they're saying it's only on those machines. Maybe it's also on Windows machines. And what does, does it mean? Maybe they were able to submit the driver. Remember, driver loads before the operating system loads, meaning it has more privileges on the system. And typically, antivirus solutions running on the driver level in order to have it uh, be between the data and the disk in order to capture the information. 
So really, it's it's crucial where where the the those pieces are are really um, located. Um, so it it's really scary because again, those um, attacks are really you know mind bank. Uh, it's crazy, mind bank. Okay. Uh, and with that, we're gonna move to our next item. Mm -hmm. Okay. Microsoft security response team, new activity from SolarWinds threat actor. Okay, so here's what, what happens. Uh, Microsoft security response team wrote that it is tracking new activity from uh, Nobilem threat actor that includes password spray and proof false attacks. The threat actor compromised a computer used by Microsoft customer support employee. From there, the actors launched targeted attacks. Interesting. What do you say? Um, not surprised. You know what I mean? Not surprised once again. Uh, I, that one I hadn't heard about. I haven't heard. That, I haven't heard too much about that one. So, I'm. Uh, I know. I, I happened to notice there were like three or four things up there from Microsoft. You know, the print, the print nightmare. There was another issue with Netgear router bugs. Uh, so I know there's a few other things, but I didn't heard the one that you just talked about. I even saw yeah. one with the, with the PowerShell. There was another one with PowerShell. Yeah, so, yes. Uh, I'm I'm not going to include it in this this episode. Uh, maybe we'll do it tomorrow another episode, and then we'll include the, the other stuff because it's uh, we can't have all those items at once. Yeah, I get emails from Microsoft about vulnerabilities and you know the patching stuff all the time. So. You know, the minute they put that out, somebody's going to try to come up with some type of exploit. Right. And 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 this specifically what it means that you need to enable, and I think we spoke about this so many times before, to enable uh, MFA, multi-factor authentication, uh, because what they do, they do what it's, it's called reverse uh, password uh, guessing. So they try password and then a username. And they keep the same password, and then they use they use the next username. So you don't typically what you do you do username, password, 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 password until you have you you guess the password. So now you do the reverse brute force, and you put the username, but you keep the password. So just change the change a little bit the order in order not to be uh, because when you do that, you are not subject to. Uh, um, account uh, takeover, meaning uh, account uh, account lockout policy. So let's say after 10 uh, successful login attempts, the account will be locked out. This way, you don't account lockout, the account is not being locked out. That's why it's, it's a different way how to do. It's going to take more time, but at least it will be open. So again, MFA, it's, uh, it's probably the, the best um, security control out there that we recommend everybody uh, to use at this time. And I think, oh, we have another item, which is Zixel firewalls and VPNs are being attacked. Zixel has published an uh, um, advisory warning that they recently became aware of a soft, 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 uh, sophisticated threat Actual targeting Zixus security appliances with remote management or SSL VPN enabled 
in the USG, I guess it's Unified Security Gateway, but it's called ZWAL and USG Flex ATP and VPN says the attacker tries to access targeted devices through the WAN. So you need to gather one one interface uh, from those brute uh, forces um, attacks. Uh, comments, super guest. Um, no, <laughs> I, I I actually have one of their little Wi-Fi. They have like a little mini Wi-Fi box of Zycel. Okay. So. Um, I don't know if that needs to be updated, but I'm assuming the firewall and the VPN on that thing is a suspect. But um, yeah, those things can't handle, uh, those little boxes are not meant for commercial use. They're used for homes um, and small applications, but you know, like small businesses even may work, but even then it might be too much. It may be overloaded easily. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, yeah, some of these, some, I think they, they have to explain to people that in the real world, uh, in corporations, they split everything up. There's no all-in-one box, a router, Wi-Fi. Everything is split up. When you get it at home, you know, in the business, they got a separate firewall and a VPN. Well, it used to be in the past. These days, already, you know, with the unified um, devices, the firewall is the VPN, and it's the, the VPN gateway. It's the web proxy. It's everything. Not to say right. that this it, is the best way, and 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 was done because everybody there was a push for the market to have one pan of glass that you can use one device, one one place where you can see everything. Not to say well, that this is the best, so well, you get the best protection. Right, but a lot of companies allow you to have separate. Uh, some of the other companies out there will let you like. Uh, what was the other one? Um, I can't think of their name. Um, they allow you to have multiple devices and you still get one plane of glass. You'll get one console with all of them in there. I know Ubiquiti does it. There's a few other ones out there. Uh, PF Sense, a lot of them can add multiple devices and, and then you can still one pane of glass, but they're still separate devices. And uh -huh. I think somehow, because when you go to, to these all-in-ones, they can't do everything great. They only could do everything maybe good. Something's got to suffer, you know? Yes, you'll, you'll pay and something, yes, yes. Something's going to suffer. I actually had that problem. I bought uh, the Ubiquity. I actually didn't realize that that was not even a, a business router, the one that I looked at, um, the USG. And I realized that when it does the packet inspection, I lose speed on my internet. So I, I literally got to go after, I had to go to the, the next model just to be able to do the packet inspection because they can't do packet inspection over 70 meg per minute, per second, you know? Yeah, yeah, you, 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 need, you need a device that can handle uh, a larger right. bandwidth, yes. And that's what happens with a lot of these devices, especially at the consumer level, when you start, you start getting <coughs> new gigabit connections or you're gaming and you got a gigabit connection, it's not going to be able to handle that throughput, so right. you're going to be slow somewhere. Yeah, that, that, that's why you need you need, that, that's yeah that's why you need to do a little bit uh, uh, seizing here. You need to make sure that whatever internet bandwidth you have from the ISP, making sure that they it will have you'll have a sufficient uh, 
ability from the device, the edge devices, to process this kind of uh, um, requirements. Right. So that's, you know, that was one of the issues I ran into and I realized, okay, I should have went with the, the next lot, you know, the next tier of stuff because the lower tiers are going to, it's just going to be, they're going to strip out something, make it cheaper. Right. They right. Can't give you, they'll give you a bunch of things, but then something's going to be le uh, less better than the next one. You know, it's not going to be as great. You're going to get a watered down version. So, and then you start thinking, everybody thinks of like, you know, um, neck gear and all of those things are all crap. We all know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, as you know, we don't, re yeah, we, we don't recommend uh, um, home devices like Netgear and, tho and those um, or, or Linksys to business, although some people do that and it's not our, our um, recommendation. And, and okay. that's what's been the problem. One of the other issues is that's been the problem with the home users because now you're going into an environment with consumer-grade stuff, working from home, and you have to protect a business now. Or your business data and that's been one of the biggest issues yes, some companies uh, will send you equipment exactly yes yeah definitely okay so with that we'll switch to cisco how many times did you hear about cisco cisco adaptive security appliance vulnerability is being actively exploited so let's read the story about it uh no. Hmm. I lost this this paper. Okay. What do you know about this? Um didn't hear about this one. Oh no. No, I'm look, I'm actually looking it up right now. Oh searching for it. Oh <laughs> okay. I lost because... the I lost it. Oh boy, this is bad. Uh I don't see my review. And, and just so people understand, in, in my defense, and the reason I say that is we get inundated with stuff. I'm not really a networking guy. I'm more of a, you know, server, desktop, cloud type guy. So I get inundated with stuff on that. A lot of the networking stuff, you get them, but we, I don't pay attention to them as much until I'm dealing with something with that. So... I think it's the ASA vulnerability. Is that the one you're talking about? Which one? ASA vulnerability. Yes. Yeah, I can read it for you real quick. Uh, okay. Cisco ASA vulnerability actively exploited after exploit released. Um, and this came out June 27th. Hackers are scanning for and actively exploiting a vulnerability in Cisco ASA device after a proof of concept exploit was published on Twitter. Okay, so so, uh, so you have it. Okay, yes. Right. This is this so is they, this is. So they they disclosed this. So so you know, Cisco first disclosed this vulnerability initial patch in October of 2020. If you yes. haven't patched it since then, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Then they they added another fix on top of that in April. Once again, if you didn't do the first two patches, you're an idiot. <laughs> a big one. <laughs> right. You can only blame them so much. They found a problem. They rectified it. 
Then they tried again and added another patch to rectify it. So then who's the idiot now? You or them? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, whomever did. No, 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 you can't. No. You know, okay. people who aren't doing their job once again. <laughs> we're talking what? October? That's three months plus six. We're talking what? Nine months, 10 months later? And, and people don't do. Yeah. Right. So here's the thing you as a as a as a as a uh, business owner that maybe you're using a, an msp to manage your it you need to come to that msp and demand something from them that because they know your environment they know what you have they need to be like us coming with those pieces of information and let you know what the fuck is going on? You're right. Yeah, and, and that's if they the can Just tell you what's going on, they have a big problem. You have a big problem, and you have you need to put your uh, uh, pick up the phone and speak to them. Don't send an email. Pick up the phone. And say, guys, you need to be on on top with all the security vulnerabilities, whatever that is going on in my environment, because you know my environment better than I do. I can follow this. I'm not an expert. You're supposed to be the expert, so-called right. expert, right? And do something about it. And I mean, this is this is what they should be doing, uh, like what we do now. And they should come and and be open about it and talk about it and do something about it. At least, if you can, I don't know. This is my my you know whatever we can do, we do here. Uh, right. and, and based on some of the things that we were talking about earlier is when you when you have a piece of equipment and you're, you're checking vulnerabilities for that feature of equipment, you're making sure you're up to date on patching. And as you're also making because there are times you can install a patch and it doesn't set. That's happened many a times. It doesn't really install. You think it did. It didn't install for whatever reason. So you have to make sure. And that's when you. You do your vulnerability testing or your patch testing. Microsoft has it where it'll scan to make sure all the patches are there. You know, I'm sure Cisco has something like that. A lot of the vendors give you the tools to validate that you are up to date. And if something didn't patch properly, then you can repatch that. So you have to make sure that, you know, when we check, we get a report. Okay, all of this is patched. We're validated, and then those reports are what we get sent to clients. So then they know we're on up to date on everything. So some things may be relevant. If you have a Cisco router, this ASA patch may not be relevant to the model you have, uh, this exploit. So it, they, the people that are doing the work will come up and say, well, that exploit it doesn't, it's not relevant to this equipment. It'll be in the reports, if the, especially if you specifically ask. Other than that, it's not relevant because you won't see the number there of that particular exploit. So today we had a conversation with a, an MSP based in New York and they said, oh, we need to do penetration testing. And even among those MSPs and so-called IT people and customers typically, 
they say something, but they don't know what they are saying. They want something, but they don't understand right. what they want. But anyway, at least they they had. We can definitely give them uh, a a big point because they want to know what's going on in the customer's environment. But they didn't mention about their environment. Of course, we're not going to mention names here. Uh, but they also they need to do penetration testing to their environment. They need to see what's going on with their environment. Not all. Not only to evaluate the security of their customers. And this is, I think, go, going without saying, they, 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 this is a must. Yeah, and, and to jump on that, I know there was a discussion in, in one of the groups that we belong to um, that they were talking about, you know, the, some of the things that people should do about their environments and checking. And I know me and you've had that discussion and, and, and maybe we could put a list together of, of things that you should be doing because a lot they're going after the vendors and then they're going after the the software that the vendors use if you're an msp you get your software from whoever else to do the work you need to do um and if just like now because got you know got breached and now uh you know a couple of months back you had solar winds which is also provides tools so they're going after them to get to your clients they'll go through them go through you to get to them the big the other clients or so, they go after or they're going after security companies like fireeye right so how and, about they will, will go after i mean they're going after microsoft but they can go after vmware they oh, can go after sentinel one i'm sure all those companies are now a valid target for any right. kind of a threat actor uh these days and, and, and if you think you're not a target then you're mistaken. Actually, I think we heard somebody say that. Oh, I'm not a target. Remember last week? Oh, yeah. In the meeting? Yeah. Somebody said, I'm not a target. And I I didn't say anything at that second. But the reality is, is um, that everyone... How come you... How come... How come... First, just two, two things. How come I don't remember it the second? Why didn't you say anything? You don't remember it in the meeting with that whole group? Oh, the old group. Ah, uh, okay, yes, yeah. But I, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. So why didn't you say anything? I'm, I'm just curious. I, I didn't know how to respond without sounding, you know, like, like I didn't want to insult him. So I didn't come up with a response at that second. So I just let it go for a second. And I figure you may talk to him later. Uh, but obviously, you didn't even see it. You didn't hear it. But uh, next time, I'll let you know. I'll remind you when I hear those things because I didn't know what to say without sounding like, are you an idiot? Yeah, I didn't want to say that and I didn't want to <laughs> insult the guy, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you, you're going you, to you're gonna need to, to remind me this this, this case because I, I really it's I, I don't remember the I don't remember the scenario. This is really it's it's yeah, bothering we'll talk about me it now. Online. We'll okay. talk about it online, oh. but but it was one of the meetings we had last week together and, and you know and he said it oh i'm not a target and we're like the one with the spam that oh the they they have too much um uh what we call it coming in um oh um they're getting a lot of uh, email spam and ransom demand right. emails oh right. no Oh, but no, no, they they do afraid from attacks. That's why he. No, he said he said specifically, I'm not. A, we're not a big target. He said it. 
if you go back to the recording. Okay, well, I'll check it. Yeah, he, well, he is a target for sure. He's a target. Well, he and that, specifically and that, and this company is our target. Yeah, he, he's specifically a target, and his company is a target. Yes, but uh, but when you hear that, you're like, I don't know what world that people live in. You know, where you don't think you're a target. If you're making, it, it doesn't actually doesn't even matter what you're making. You could be a small business on a corner, you know, selling candy. If you got a computer, they'll target it. Because remember, if they're not using, they're not going after you because of you have something they want, your computer becomes a resource in the attacks against others. So if they get 100 computers and they infect them, well, they don't have anything that worthwhile, but then now their computer becomes a bot or some type of ability to attack someone else. You know, so you become useful to them because you're just there. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And you're part of the attack against another company, and you don't even realize it. Because you leave to go home at 5 o'clock, and in the middle of the night, your computer CPU spikes because it's a help to attack somebody else in another country or in this country. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even know it. And you don't even know it. Yeah, yeah, that you are actually passively... Like you am uh, a passive smoker, right? You know that I'm a passive smoker? You're a passive uh -huh. attacker. <laughs> right. And, and you're part of a botnet enterprise out there that they use. They pull all their armies and they do some type of DDoS or they do some vulnerability checking and they use, you know, 100 or 1,000 small computers to do all that. Think about it. If you did a vulnerability check and you had 1,000 computers to do it over a week, how much information would you get? Oh, a ton. Right. And that's what they do. This is what they infect a whole bunch of computers and let them do use their computing power to go out and do vulnerability checking on sites they're going to check for or hit. Or maybe they're going to go after a vendor. So they go after that vendor and do vulnerability checking on them. You know what I mean? Right. And you don't realize that your machine is part of that botnet army. <laughs> Until it's very late. And you, you may never know because they're not going to do anything to your computer to let you know unless you happen to notice the CPU go out of you out of whack or you, you know, maybe there's logs, whatever it is that they do that are left behind, you may never know because they're not really doing anything to attack you and your computer. So you don't realize that you're being used. Or you can say to your IT company, MSP, oh, you know, my computer is, is sluggish lately. Maybe I need a little bit more memory. Maybe I need some maintenance on the computer. Oh, okay. Let, let me log into a computer remotely using mm, tool and check it out for you. Mm. Right. But, but how many people do you know? You know how many people tells me tell me my computer's running slow? And no 100%. one ever thinks, and they never think that you're part of a botnet army. I always tell people, you know what? Sweep your computer, clean it check everything you know you know just and get you if you have somebody make sure they do performance monitoring on it just to look at what happens in the middle uh, of the night. they will ask you to do all of that for them using the mm -mm tool to do all of that <laughs> mm. well if you if you if you like i know guys that have like uh, gaming servers and they don't realize that they've been they, they've been infected and that when you're not using your computer somebody else is and all I tell them is, 
Well, how do I know if I'm being hacked? Put a performance monitor on your machine. If in the middle of the night, your computer and your resources start spiking for no reason, you're most likely part of a botnet army. Yeah, it is. What's that? Um, the 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 folding folding remember the one you put the little utility and it uses your computer to do genome sequencing mm, oh the screensaver no the, no a, a, there's folding it's called at folding no and it's part uh, of some some university you get the utility and oh. you put it on your computer and when you're not using your computer in the nighttime or whatever they will use your computer processing and send over threads to you so that they can do this mapping of genomes. Oh, and then I as know it about finishes, that. yeah, as as it finishes these things, so people do that as a as a service to to these projects to help find you know vaccines and whatever else. So right, okay. that's what hap- that's what that's what's going on with most people who are botnets. They don't even realize it. Yes, <laughs> that you're. You're being used by a bunch of other hackers, and it, and and I know it's true. I actually got to look at one of those consoles years ago. Well, um, the consoles when they send out, and all the people that have the root kits and that have been compromised, that they actually get a list, and then they could see everything. They can look at your computer. They could see what you're doing if you have a camera. They could see what you're, you're on your machine, like on your desktop. Like they can actually see that. They have a remote desktop. They literally can do whatever. They see a hard drive, like. And it's like a little console that looks like Outlook. <laughs> and every one of these maybe, machines... Maybe those MSP can use those tools, this tool to do all the management. Yeah, it's funny because their tools are much better than some of these other guys. But the reality is, is that the users don't know they're there. And when they want, they literally can break apart some type of exploit or whatever they're doing and spread it out to all these machines so that their CPU is doing the work and they just it's almost like the old mainframes send the work over there and then you walk away and come back and all the work is done okay seth thank you super guest and uh we're gonna conclude this uh podcast 22 of the cyber security insider and don't forget to share subscribe and like and if you have questions you can definitely send them to podcast at the cybersecurityinsider.com again podcast at the cybersecurityinsider.com uh any questions uh if you want to ask to talk about any other subjects that matters to you please do so uh and uh with that I guess we'll do tomorrow another episode if you have time. I guess you do. (coughs) Or maybe um, tomorrow's Wednesday. Maybe Thursday we'll do another episode. Okay. So thank you for watching. This is, again, Igal Beha from the Cybersecurity Insider and Seth, super guest. Thank you. And be safe. Don't forget MFA and patch. Patch, patch, MFA. Patch, patch, MFA. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.